Would you join me for prayer? Lord, we have already said it best this morning. Creator God, creating still. And it is on your creativity, Lord, that we call this day. Asking that you create in us a spirit of peace in a time where there is no peace. That you create in us a desire a desire to be reconciliators where there seeks to be no reconciliation. In a time of massive upheaval, Lord, we pray that you would create within us a spirit of contentment that we may rest in you. Lord, create within us a holy passion. A holy passion to be grace givers in a graceless time. And Lord, in all we say and do, we may model the picture of your Son. So bring a world that is teetering on the precipice of its own destruction back I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to 1 Kings chapter number 21. God, your word is truth. So, Lord, we pray today that you would give us an understanding heart and open ears to hear your truth and apply your truth. Bless me with the words that are needed for those gathered here now as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we discussed the call of grace on our lives and how we should be vessels of grace to all whom we come in contact. However, we would all admit that sometimes 
being a vessel of grace is quite difficult. There are people in our lives who stretch grace almost to the breaking point. We know them. We can call them. Sometimes we're related to them. So this morning I want us to look at the characteristics of these grace stretchers. They're displayed this morning in the life of Ahab and Jezebel as they deal with Ahab's coveting of his next door neighbor's vineyard. His next door neighbor is Naboth. And Ahab does all that he can to get Naboth's vineyard. He offers Naboth to be generous and gives Naboth the opportunity to give it to him. He offers it up and says he will trade it land for land, parcel for parcel. However, as we're about to see in verse number four, Naboth says no. And Ahab went to his house after Naboth had said no, vexed and sullen because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had said to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. Beloved, to put it succinctly as I can, grace stretchers are petty, petulant, childish, and self-absorbed. Ahab doesn't get his way. And so he comes home, and I can just sort of sense it in my mind. He comes home, he goes to his bedroom, he slams the door, and he pouts. I can tell you this from first-hand experience, having witnessed it, because I have a five-year-old. She does the same thing sometimes. Indeed, I love this phrase, he's vexed and sullen, because sullen is better translated anger bordering on rage. Sounds a lot like a temper tantrum, doesn't it? This man, who is king of Israel, goes and throws a temper tantrum because someone tells him, no, this land belonged to my forefathers and I'm going to keep it. And Ahab is so self-absorbed in his wants that he becomes pouting and petulant. Beloved, we must remember that the life of faith is one spent not absorbed in ourselves. The great exemplar of our faith, Jesus poured his life out for others, not for himself. Indeed, one theologian put it this way. Jesus, who, lives, who loves us into freedom and frees us into loving, 
In other words, we are freed to love others, not freed by Jesus to enter into some narcissistic love affair with ourselves. Ahab misses that. Secondly, we should see this morning that grace stretchers stretch us because there are no boundaries and no limits to their lives. Jezebel comes in and finds a pouting Ahab and asks him what's the matter. And he tells her, verse 7 picks it up. And Jezebel said, his wife said to him, Do you now govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. And she wrote in the letters, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them. As it was written in the letters that she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He is dead. Jezebel is the queen. She's not the king. And yet, she acts like it, doesn't she? She goes and writes letters, not in her authority, but in the authority of the king's name. She uses the king's seal. She misappropriates a call to a fast. A fast is a religious observance. So she says, call a fast. Why? She's using religion for something other than the worship of God. She's trying to get all of the people together in one place so that she may conspire. And what does she conspire to do? She conspires to lie about Naboth's relationship with God. All to get an innocent man murdered for a vineyard that her pouting husband is upset that he can't have. There is no bottom for Jezebel. There's no limit for Jezebel. There's nothing that it seems she is not willing to do to get what she wants. Through the Scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, through our consciences, God sets up for us boundaries. Boundaries that keep us circumscribed and within a set perimeter. The grace stretchers, though, lack or ignore these boundaries. Ahab doesn't let Naboth's body get cold before he goes to claim 
the vineyard as his own. And it would appear that Ahab, the grace stretcher, has won. Yet God has the last word. God sends Elijah to Ahab to tell Ahab, this will not do. And so as Elijah comes up on Ahab, we find this in verse number 20. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. The grace stretcher has a difficult time distinguishing between their friends and their enemies and often labels them poorly. Elijah, Ahab claims, is his enemy. Jezebel, he says, we would think, is his friend. Now, just for a moment, understand something. That Elijah is not simply the representation of a man here. Elijah, to this oral society, is the word of God. He is delivering the word of God. And so when Ahab says to Elijah, my enemy, he's not simply calling Elijah his enemy. He's calling the word of God his enemy. He is declaring the very thing that gives life his enemy. What a woeful tale to find the words of life as an enemy and the actions of a conspirator to murder as friendly. Yet it points to one other thing we should note about grace stretchers. And that is that their declaration of God's word as an enemy also points to the lack of a clear anchor in their lives and accordingly their inability to think critically. Notice verse 25. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. Ahab is always available for a price. He floats back and forth, it would appear, between Jezebel's goads when the scripture says that Jezebel incites him. In other words, she's prodding him back and forth. The scriptures from our study of Ahab never appear to show Ahab thinking to himself, what are the implications of what I am doing? He never seems to ask himself, we would think, because he is so readily willing to go in them, go follow these evil actions. 
He never stops to ask himself, have I gone too far? We don't see any internal dialogue here between Ahab and Jezebel in which Jezebel comes back and she says, Naboth's vineyard is yours. And he doesn't bother to say, how did I get it? He doesn't bother to say, what role did you have in it, honey? He doesn't bother to inquire at all. He doesn't go beyond the the surface of it all. He just says, well, thank you, dear. I'm going to go pick some grapes. I'll see you later. There's no anchor for him. Beloved, God has called us to be tethered to him. Let us recall what Paul said to the Athenians. For in Him, in God, we live and move and have our being. He does not call us to be stubbornly intransigent in ourselves, but to think critically of all that we encounter. Viewing it through the lens of Jesus and we are called to align ourselves accordingly through what we see through Jesus. The grace stretchers lack the ability to do this as they waver back and forth like some great tennis match. Back and forth. Wandering without a tether. Now, we would do well to stop for a moment and instead of throwing stones at the grace stretchers, ask ourselves how often we muddle the distinctions between the faithless and the faithful by acting like the faithless. How often do we act petty, pouting, and petulant, throwing a temper tantrum when we don't get our way? Completely confessionally, beloved, I've been a Baptist my whole life. I've been in enough church business meetings, association meetings, state and national convention meetings, that we do this more often than we would confess. I've also said in enough of these meetings to know that there are some who will never find a bottom to how far they will go to win. At the same time, I know through my own life and from conversations with others who I believe to be very faithful people, that we sometimes treat the Word of God as an enemy when it challenges our basic assertions and beliefs. It is an enemy when we cherry-pick what we like 
and ignore what we don't. When we fail to see the scriptures as one complete thought speaking of God's love, grace, justice, and mercy, it's an enemy. When we fail to engage it, to think critically about the world around us, and instead allow ourselves to get caught in the rhetorical storms of the moment and respond before we ponder. In doing any of these things, beloved, we become grace stretchers for someone. And what an abominable place to be. To be a faithful person who is stretching grace for someone more often than not who needs it instead of being a vessel of grace to them. So what is the answer for the grace stretchers? It's simple. Repentance. Notice verse 27. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days but in his son's days I will bring the disaster upon his house. Ahab, who followed after the prophets of Baal. Ahab, who has conspired, even if it would be an unindicted co-conspirator, to murder. Ahab, who has led the people of Israel far from God instead of close to God, Ahab finally repents. And we may say, well, surely it couldn't be sincere. This is nothing more than a ploy. A ploy. Elijah has told him that he's going to die. So he's just trying to buy time. He's trying to curry favor. He's trying to get the word changed. But this text here is quite clear. God believes Ahab is sincere. That he delays the destruction of the kingdom. Now, we know if we were to skip ahead into the next chapter, that Ahab will sin again. Ahab will sin again. But guess what, beloved? You and I can seek repentance this afternoon. I mean, this morning. And guess what? We'll probably need to seek it again this afternoon. We'll seek repentance this morning and come upon someone or something 
that will cause us to need repentance this evening. And for that fact alone, we must understand that we must be continually repentant. We must be constantly introspective about our actions and how our actions are perceived by those around us to ensure we can never be labeled a grace stretcher for anyone. We don't have to be this way. We can change. Just as surely as the most vile grace stretcher we know who doesn't have any semblance of the knowledge of God in their hearts can change, so can we. And we must understand that we are no better than them when we are grace stretchers. Because what does the world need right now? Does it need another grace stretcher? Or does it need a grace vessel? Does it need people being pouty and petulant and throwing temper tantrums? Or does it need people living grace and mercy and love? Does it need people picking the parts of Scripture that they like the best to beat up somebody with? Or people living out the whole of Scripture so that to quote Amos, justice and righteousness roar like rivers. Beloved, I recognize that being a vessel of grace is contrary to the direction of the world. I realize that for so many in the world today, Christians are grace stretchers and not grace vessels. I realize that some will call me naive. But all I really want right now at this stage in my life is to see more people, more Christians, more followers of Jesus Christ to be vessels of grace, to be kinder and gentler and more grace-filled because I sincerely and fervently believe that that is what will change this world. We must draw clear distinctions instead of muddying the waters. And so today, are you a grace stretcher? Is there some point in your life where you are stretching grace instead of having grace bound tight within you such that it's overflowing into others' lives. May we all resolve to be grace vessels.
Let's pray. Father, put before us an image of who we are. Remove the scales from our our eyes, Lord, that we would not believe the lies that we tell ourselves, but we would see the truth of who you see. That we may seek your repentance. And that we may change ourselves through your grace to be a greater vessel of grace for you. Speak to us, Lord. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Where has God spoken to you today? Where is it He's shown you that you're a a grace stretcher. There's hope.